Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited today to be here with a 2014 graduate of our program, Greg Belgum. How are you, Greg? Hey, I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm super excited. You know, if uh, if the listeners could see you, they, they would see you, but with a, a big map of the world behind you. And um, it's so exciting what you're doing. Uh, Greg is currently the Vice President for Strategic Partnerships for Living and Learning International, a study abroad program. And I'm super excited, Greg, to hear all about your experience um, working in that realm. Um, obviously, it's a exciting but challenging time to to be involved with travel and tourism and so we're going to talk about some of those issues and challenges and opportunities um, that that lie ahead but uh let's go back in time first and let the listeners um hear about where you came from where, where are you from originally greg yeah yeah absolutely um so i grew up in san jose california so just about three hours north of cal poly um South Bay, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, yeah, it was a great place to grow up. A little neighborhood there called Willow Glen. Um, nice, where I grew up. Nice. Did you have? Did you have? Did you have a good community there? I when when I hear you say a little neighborhood, I start to picture like uh, you on your big wheel and uh, <laughs> and uh, riding around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very true. I mean it. It's a big city with a lot of sprawl, but Willow Glen uh, used to be like 15 minutes from San Jose. But as San Jose grew. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it kind of annexed Willow Glen. I was going to say, it's it. like the city center, city center now, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, it was, it was, it was awesome. And I think as a kid, you, you don't really like all the imagery we have maybe of the Bay area doesn't, that's not what you have as a kid. You just think about your street and your friends and your neighborhood. So I, you could have been, I could have been anywhere, um, but it, it just happened to be San Jose. So right. Yeah. You know, I think that's really an important thing that a lot of times people miss when they when they think about big cities. Like, of course, big cities have some of those um, those issues that that we that we think about relative to traffic, but and and whatnot. But um, in crowded places and whatnot. But but most of us grow up in little neighborhoods where there's mm-hmm. little communities that 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 um, you know are that flourish and and are are. Um, or our pods, if you will, right? Yeah. That, that we grew up in. So that's really cool. What did your parents do when you when you were growing up, Greg? Yeah. Um, so my dad has been kind of in accounting and finance his whole life, but um, yeah, he he worked for a number of small companies, some different startups, and then had a, a season as a consultant and and was kind of a fractional CFO for a few different companies. Okay. Um, and so I think he's he's never been at one company more than five or six years, but. His, I think he's on his last run right now um, okay. with, with a company in San Jose. And then, yeah, my mom was a nurse um, and she was in a hospital for a long time and then transitioned out to be home with my brothers and I. Right. Um, and then probably in the last eight years has kind of gotten back into it doing um, more in-home care, geriatric and uh, uh, com- yeah, all of right. that. So right. it's been good. Okay, cool. What about siblings? You have any brothers or sisters growing up? I do. I yeah. Mentioned, I heard you mention uh, <laughs> one there. Yeah. So I got two, two brothers. Two brothers. So okay. I'm, I'm sitting in the middle. Um, older brother who went to Chapman University in Southern California. Okay. Um, but he's, he's up in the Bay Area, works at Google. Um, and then my younger little, brother. Little company, little company little, named Google. 
Yeah, just just a little software, something or other. Um, yeah, and then my little brother um, is actually a, a Cal Poly grad uh, as well, which is oh, fun. Right on. So yeah, he's there's a what bigger gap. Major? He he majored in business, okay. um, and yeah, stuck around San Luis for a year. Worked at an accounting firm, and then is just right now also transitioning up to the Bay Area. Uh, his second year post grad and is on the job search. So. Okay, right on, right on. So your dad had one that followed him into finance, huh? Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> one out of three, that's not bad, 33%, you know? <laughs> Pretty good odds, yeah. I love it. So tell me about um, what you were like growing up, Greg. Were you into arts, drama, sports? What, what, what was your what was your jam? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, a theme that's been consistent in my life throughout, which definitely started as a kid, was just being pretty social and pretty active. So it was, um, yeah, a lot of time with friends, a lot of, lot of social stuff, but sports was probably a, a big through line. Uh, I played soccer all growing up. Um, and then in high school transitioned to play in volleyball. Uh, we had a really cool volleyball team at our, at our high school and we played year round. So we, we had a club team that played in the off season and, um, actually played a year at Cal Poly on the club team for, for men's volleyball, which was really fun. So Right on. Yeah, growing up, I, I feel like sports and and social social life was pretty pretty significant. Gotcha. So do you do you remember like a Halloween costume or something like that where you you had this dream job that you were like definitely gonna do growing up? <laughs> do, you, do you have any of those memories? Um, well, I definitely was a cowboy multiple years in a row. <laughs> I think, uh, but I I don't think that was my dream job yet. Well, but, but maybe that was the Cal Poly connection, right? It a, could have a, been. A Mustang, right? That is true. I know. It's funny you mentioned my little brother going into accounting. I think as a child, I said accounting as well, actually, just because my it's what my dad did, and I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, and then my freshman year of high school, I took a, a test, a placement test, where they kind of pair you with a career. And I, I think I scored high for law enforcement or something. So I thought, oh, that sounds good as any. So, uh, I kind of had that on my radar for a few years, kind of as a placeholder. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, transitioning to college, I think I kind of let that go a little bit and was, was kind of open. So, you know, I've always wondered about those, uh, those tests. My, my daughter Uh is, is, uh, just started middle school and she took one and, and she was telling me the results and I was like, Oh, okay. Interesting. You know, and I'm like thinking about it, you know, I, I just said, I said, well, you know, honey, uh, I think the best advice I can give you is to, to, to go after whatever makes you happy and whatever you're passionate about, right. Find, find Mm -hmm. something that, that you're going to be happy with. Don't don't necessarily uh, let a test <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> let a test dictate. I think uh, uh, whoever um, marketed and sold those tests have done a pretty good job, though, right? You know, because uh, almost uh-huh. everyone takes one, right? You know, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like a through line for me of um, of kind of a guiding principle has always been to just make decisions that open as many doors as possible versus right. closing doors. So even thinking right. about something like law enforcement, that, that's, a, that's an incredible career path and an honorable yeah. thing to do, but it, it is narrow. Yeah. You know, that's, right. that's kind of a narrow field. Um, right. And as we get into chatting about Cal Poly and, and uh, our, our, our major, um, yep. it, I think that that was a big kind of influence for me was this being a decision that opens a lot of doors and creates a lot of opportunities um, versus you know, a single uh, discipline or a single career track. 
So, you know, Greg, I, I think that's a, I think that's a really, really important point. I I've, um, uh, you know, I, I've, I've reached out to obviously with this podcast, I've reached out to, to quite a few people, uh, or alumni and, um, there, there've been a number that I've reached out to that have said, well, I, I'm not really doing anything in our industry. And I'm like, mm, yeah, but, um, so what, right? Like uh-huh. our, our industry, right, is ultimately, um, I, I feel like our industry is ultimately incredibly broad because um, when, it, particularly when you look at our, our focus now of experience design and co-creating experiences, I mean, we have all of those traditional areas under the experience industry, like recreation, parks, tourism, sports, special events, all of those, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but really, ultimately, it's a management degree, and it's the the skills are transferable. You know, I'm going to talk to a nurse in a couple of weeks, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's um or or an aspiring nurse, and um, uh, you know, I think it's I think that's just so important. What you said is is opening those doors. So let's talk about a door that opened for you in in Cal Poly. Uh, tell us uh, the story of how you found Cal Poly and and the connection there. Yeah. Um, I have this very vivid memory of being at a birthday party. Um, it was my friend's party and he was a year older. And so I was, I think I was a junior and I was chatting with a guy who'd just finished, uh, at Cal Poly, maybe a year or two before. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about college and he just went to town talking about Cal Poly, talking about San Luis Obispo, talking about the place and the people and line dancing at the grad. And I was just <laughs> like, this sounds amazing. Um, right. That's your cowboy days coming back. It is. It is. Uh, <laughs> if anybody knows me, they know I, I'm not much of a dancer, but uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll have fun out there. Me so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, he kind of put Cal Poly on my map. Um, but I also remember at the time watching people who are one or two years older than me fall into this like self-inflicted problem of getting into like three or four schools that they were super excited about all of them. And Mm -hmm. then they had this really self-inflicted dilemma of like, which school do I pick? And I remember thinking, well, Cal Poly sounds awesome. I'll have some other schools that I apply to, but that's where I want to go. And yeah, I I was fortunate to get in and, uh, and the rest is history. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I I don't want to share too much about my story because this is about you, but but I, I do kind of have that in common with you. I, I I picked out early where I wanted to go, and I actually only applied to one place. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm glad I got into that one place. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so so let's talk about now the the decision to to go into um, obviously then um, what was recreation parks and tourism administration as the department. Um, and, and having a, a dad in finance, what mm-hmm. was, uh, what was that, what was that, um, conversation like? Yeah. Well, I mean, overall, my, my parents are just incredibly supportive. It was like, um, I think a, a really good blend of being engaged, uh, as parents, but also realizing we're, we're living our own lives and they're there to kind of coach and support, not, mm-hmm. um, not be heavy handed. So, so Right. I think no matter what decision, as long as I was within, you know, being reasonable, they, they would have been really supportive. Um, right. But selecting this major, actually, I, I didn't start at Cal Poly as an RPTA major. Oh, um, oh I actually, transfer? okay. I, I transferred. Yeah. So I started as a modern languages and literatures major. Did you um, really? Yeah. Know. Which, 
I remember being at home and working on the application and you have to pick a major. So there's a drop down on the, the application. And, and I was picking between Parks and Rec and Modern Languages. And I think I, I didn't really know. And so I just picked languages thinking, well, that's, that's something really specific. Like I'll, I'll be bilingual at the end of college. Um, right. But yeah, after my first quarter, I took a Spanish class and I said, there's, there's no way I can do this for four years. <laughs> right. uh, and in the same quarter, I met uh, Nikki Hearth, uh, who's a couple years older than me. And yeah, he was just the biggest proponent for, for recreation parks and tourism, uh, the, the degree at the time. And um, he sold me on it and showed like, this is a legitimate path. And this is like, there's a lot here. And um, I think maybe what I didn't have when I was working on the application was just some framework to put this degree in context. And I think getting to campus, I was able to do that um, by seeing some upperclassmen in it. So right on. Well, well, that's a, a full circle one. You know, you'll be uh, you'll be the uh, 58th podcast. And and Nikki was the uh, Nikki was the uh, second ever podcast. Oh, I did. Nice. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that one. But uh, mm -hmm. wow, Nikki is such a great such a great guy and such a great ambassador for um, for the program now. And uh, obviously for the program back when he was in school. That is so cool. <laughs> yep. A lot of people don't know that he was like, uh, he was the you, I know you know this that he was the cafe's uh, cover uh, cover boy for for RPTA, like uh, with his surfboard in the uh -huh. uh, standing out in the middle of the field. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. So um, let's talk a little bit about it, you know I do want to say that it's, it's really cool that what what you're doing now, obviously with study abroad. Um, I imagine that modern languages start. Mm -hmm. um, helps you out in your position, um, in, in what you're doing now. And so that's, that's kind of a unique blend that we don't get very often people who start in modern languages and, and end in, um, RPTA or EIM. So, um, let's talk about that, your experience at Cal Poly. I, I obviously know how involved you were and, and, um, you know, we don't have to get into all of that, but I, I do like for, um, alumni to, to pick out one or two experiences that really stand out for them as those those meaningful, impactful things that they did that really helped them out in terms of professional development. You know, um, our, our current students are always looking to try to form their identity through work experiences or getting involved with volunteer uh, volunteerism. Um, anything that really stood out for you during that time at Cal Poly? Yeah, um, it's almost a really easy answer, uh, but I, I studied abroad. So I, I studied abroad during my junior year. You couldn't um, say anything else, Craig. Right? <laughs> I think I had to. I know, but it's it's true. Uh, you know, you're in college for four years um, most of the time, and to take one of those semesters and live in another country, just all your senses come alive, and so you're seeing new things and smells and tastes, and um, so. I mean, far and away, that is a, that is a pivotal, like, you know, four months of, of my college uh, that, that really stands out. So even though it wasn't on campus at, at Cal Poly, it was uh, facilitated for sure. 
by this. Right. And, and tell us, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that because, um, you know, you, uh, you know, we, we have some of the traditional places that students go like Australia or, or Europe or, or, or somewhere like that. I mean, so you went to, to South Africa and Nelson Mandela university. Uh, tell us about what that experience was like. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, okay, I can, I have this unique opportunity right here in my life right now to pick anywhere in the world to go. And I, yeah. I could just pick. And I know in the future in life, there's going to be opportunity to travel, but it's probably going to have some influences on it outside of my control. But this, I can choose anywhere. So where will I probably never get to go to again? Uh, and so that's kind of how I landed on, on South Africa. They, they speak English, so that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the US dollar was pretty strong at the time. So I knew that would go far. And then the program that I ended up selecting, I said four months earlier, really, I was there for six months. Uh, it started in July and went all the way through December. So nice. yeah, I, I remember getting the most bang for my buck out of, out of getting to go for that long. So yeah, it, it was a, a far out place though, because I mean, it, it was probably 35 hours of time flying and traveling to get there. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, really, uh, really an incredible country, uh, uh I think his name's uh, Ritter. He was a biology professor at Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt uh, Ritter. Yeah, Matt Ritter. He. It's funny those those little moments that really stand out in I think Botany 101. Maybe he was talking about places around the world that have a Mediterranean climate and coastal California, uh, mm-hmm. the the west coast of Australia, the Mediterranean, and South Africa and Chile are like the only places globally that that have that same climate. And wow. Um, I walked into his office and was like, okay, I'm thinking about going to South Africa. What do you think? And he's, he, he'd been there and was like, yeah, you gotta go. And, um, so yeah, I think a couple influences that, that, uh, all kind of led to me landing there, but really awesome. a cool place. Awesome. I love it. Well, that's our first Matt Ritter shout out, but I, I, I love it. I love it. He is, uh, he is quite well known at Cal Poly and, uh, has influences, uh, on all kinds of people. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's such a great story. So, you know, our current students also, Greg, love to hear about the, um, the experience of, of finding, of, of secure, finding, securing, and, um, engaging in your internship. So why don't you tell us about, um, that experience? Yeah. Um, so my, I did my internship, uh, here in Atascadero at Atascadero high school. Um, and I interned for the activities director. And so she was in charge of all the student events, ASB leadership. Um, and so she actually was, a was a friend, my, my now wife who I was dating at the time was one of her students. Um, and so I'd gotten to know, uh, her name's Anna Faree. I'd gotten to know her, um, just through my, my now wife and asked if I could do an internship for her. And so we kind of put that together, um, you know, together, she didn't have a a specific internship program, but she had the space to, to create one. Um, and it's amazing thinking now prepping for this call, um, the amount of parallels between that internship of designing what that three months looked like Mm -hmm. and, and the, kind of needing to create some guardrails for the internship um, by necessity, but really having a lot of opportunity to, to design whatever we wanted that internship to be right. um, to even my, my role now where I'm on a really small team and, and I, I need to create some guardrails to know what, what do I do every day when I show up in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's really nice having the openness, but also there's, 
it's kind of a, a challenge too to, to figure out where the, the ends of the, the walls are. So yeah, yeah, that, that was how I, I mean, it was just a, a personal connection and, and I, I made the request and she said, yes. So I love, I love that example, Greg, because, you know, I, um, I, I've told students a, a lot over the years, you know, it's, you never know where connections might come from and, and, and being open. And, and like you said, you're, you're a social person. And a lot of our students um, are, are people uh, are, are drawn to people, right. And are very social. And so not being afraid to, to tell up, to talk about your interests and to talk about what we're doing in the department. I mean, you never know who, who might hear it and, and, and where, um, it might resonate with them and, and where you might end up afterwards, you know? And so I, I love that. I love that example. So let's talk about, let's, let's start moving towards, um, uh, your, your current position. Um, I, I know you, I know you had a stint at, at mind body, um, mm-hmm. pretty soon after, um, pretty soon after, uh, college. And, and so I'd love for you, if, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to talk about that because, you know, mind body is, um, is obviously a big employer in, in town. And, um, and, and we have had a number of graduates over the years with mind body. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that experience and what it was like, how you secured that job and, and your experience there, what it taught you? Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of really, really formative, uh, time was spent there those those first few years out of college um i I was there for about two years and the team i was on was responsible for um it was a sales team but we were working with pre-existing customers and helping them upgrade their software package um and yeah i think when i when i was in it i remember saying i love everything about this job except for the content of the work (laughs) <laughs> which, <Right. laughs> um, which I, I think, I think it, you, you could be sympathetic to knowing that it was, it was a monthly kind of grind. You're on the phone and you're calling small businesses and, you know, trying to, trying to coach them on, uh, how to use some extra tools in the software package. But the, the company itself, I mean, the people and the team, I think the average age at the time was like 26 mm-hmm. for a thousand employees. And, um, <laughs> right. So it was it was a ton of fun, and I've I've made some lifelong friends from those years. Yeah. Um, I think for me on the professional side, I, I think I learned a lot about um, what it what it means to position your whatever it is that you're talking about as as a value add to the person you're talking to. So you know, doing some some question asking to to a person and, and asking what what their their pain points are, and then figuring out how to take what it is that I'm, what I have, uh, and framing it for them in that context. So I was always selling the same thing, but would just kind of reframe that, that thing. And, and that's, that's true to this day. And I think that's true for anybody who's even not in a traditional sales role. You, you're always needing to, to share an idea and frame your idea, uh, in, in light of the person you're talking to. So, um, but yeah, it was also a large, large corporation. So I think, you know, I learned about how, how a big company works and about mm-hmm. expectations and about, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah, all, all the, all the professionalism side of it as well. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I love that you touched on sales a little bit. You know, I was, I was, a oh, geez, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm glad we're not on the video because people would have just seen like <laughs> a feather fly into the air and then go into my mouth. Um, that is the, uh, 
that 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 is the uh, the fringe benefit uh, of having um, a cockatiel in the house. Nice. Um, uh, my daughter talked me into allowing her to to get a cockatiel a couple months back, and um, yeah. So if you hear any tweeting in the background, um, that's uh, that's the bird. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, I you saw didn't that. See pop it? Up. I was yeah. like, I, 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 I think I must have swallowed it because I have no idea where it went. <laughs> it's terrible. But anyway, um, maybe that's good luck, right? A feather. Uh, just, there's got to be some some form of uh, feather flying into your mouth, Laka. <laughs> but um, where was I? Uh, sales. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I think a lot of people. I was a ver- I, I like had this. Oh, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not mm-hmm. a salesperson. And then as I matured, I started to realize that. We're all in sales mm-hmm. in one way, shape, or form, right? You know, yeah. I mean, when I when I go into the classroom the first day, I'm selling you that um, I know what the heck I'm talking about, right? right. I'm selling you onto this class is something that you need, right? And um, and uh, no matter what we're doing, we're almost all um, in sales in one uh, way, shape, or form. So let's um let's get to living and learning international and, and what you're doing uh, what you're doing now, um, uh, you guys are located in San Luis Obispo or in Tascadero is that right or um we're we're not actually our whole team's remote and we've been oh, okay. doing we've been doing remote before before it was a thing, gotcha. <laughs> um yeah so I'm I'm here but we've got about six team members all spread across the U.S. All spread out. Okay, cool. And and that's actually a really good example. Uh, I, I would think that um I would think that study a study abroad organization could be could be remote and you could mm-hmm. be able to work from anywhere. So so tell us a little bit. Why don't we Why don't we touch on that aspect first, Greg? So um. You know, you know, tell us what it's been like over the last um, couple of years with, um, you know, trying to run a trying to run a business that's centered on travel and tourism amidst a global pandemic, where obviously there's there's huge challenges along those lines. So what what's the what's that initial period been like? And then then we'll get into more positive stuff. How's that? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'll I'll give you the the thirty second kind of story, we were, we had uh, 47 students on the ground in Ecuador and 12 students on the ground in Rome, Italy. Um, I was in Rome, Italy at the time in end of February, early March. Italy was the first country outside of China. I think um, you can fact check me on that, check the show notes for an update. But I, I believe Italy was the first country outside of China that really saw um, saw that happen, but it was in the North. And so we're thinking, oh, we're down in Rome. This is no big deal. And, and then we left and it was two days later that our students had to get on flights and go home because the whole country was shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, we got back to the U.S. It's the first week of March and we're thinking, okay, this is localized. Um, and then it was, yeah, it was another week later and the, the country of Ecuador said we're closing our airport in 48 hours. And so you got to get everybody out. So we had 48 hours to get 47 students on flights and get them home. So yeah, spring of 2020 was, was quite a whirlwind, um, but we were able to make that happen. Um, and then for us, this is an us story. We, we pushed pause on summer 2020. We pushed pause on fall 2020. But then this past spring, um, we, were, we were able to be back up and running in Ecuador. And so okay. the country of Ecuador said that they've got some restrictions. And so we said, what are those restrictions and how can we operate within those? Um, so yeah. 
our team was, was open to it. The students were open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, something really cool. There's a lot of students who were saying, I, I need to take classes online all semester. I could sit in an apartment in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you know, next to my college, or, or I could go sit in an apartment in Quito, Ecuador, live in community with other North American students, travel. Um, and so there was a handful of students that weren't even taking our classes. They were just online students in our program. Um, so that was a, a pretty cool takeaway. Oh, awesome. Um, but yeah, we're here, what is it, 18 months or something after, mm-hmm. after that kind of kickoff of, of COVID and um, we're, we're operating fully within kind of the, the constraints that every country that we want to go to poses. Right, 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 right. So, it, so ultimately, it's just, it, it, just adds, it just adds a little bit more of a complication, I guess, like from, from, a, from a planning standpoint and an organization standpoint. And I imagine... Um, I imagine you guys are used to that anyway, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, in, in study abroad. So, so let's get into a little bit about um, how you how you first heard about Living and Learning International. Um, did, was there was there a connection? Was uh, how did you how did you get involved with them? And then what's it been like um, in terms of moving up, right? So you're now vice president of strategic partnerships with the mm-hmm. company. Um, tell us a little bit about um, all of those those angles, and and you know, feel free also to to kind of get us up to speed on Living and Learning International and what you're 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 all about there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in college, I worked at a summer camp uh, in California called Hume Lake, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, it was a really formative time. And I actually did my, my RPTA senior project, uh, research project at Hume Lake based on some of the training that they do. But while on staff there over the summers, um, the founder of Living and Learning would, would come up from Ecuador and spend a week at the camp and, and speak. So he was one of the camp speakers. And I got to know him uh, pretty well. And, and that was 2013 and 2014 summers. Um, we maintained a relationship uh, through the years, and he'd actually kind of floated the idea to me, hey, we want to launch another location in South Africa. Would you be interested in helping us do that? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so long story short, that, that didn't happen, but we kind of maintained a professional relationship through the years. And then fast forward to 2017, and I was looking to transition out of mind body, and um, he had an opening on his team um, on the U.S. side. So a bit different than I'd been thinking about, you know, being on the international side, going and, and living abroad. Um, but this role on the university relations team opened up, um, and and really that the the purpose of that role was outward focus, trying to get more institutions, um, you know, colleges and universities on board mm-hmm. with what with our programs so that we could recruit students and, and have, you know, increase our enrollment was, was our, our directive. Right. Um, to where I'm at now, I mean, it, it's kind of been this fluid process of realizing, okay, the, the directive of my role was to, to increase enrollment, but this is a small company and there's a whole lot of things that have to happen in a small company to make it function. Right. Um, right. And so over the years, um, it's just kind of been taking on, more and more responsibilities, um, little things, big things. Um, and so we have a team of stu- of staff that go to college campuses, set up a booth and chat with students um, and kind of process that enrollment. 
to get students abroad. Um, but yeah, my, my role is, it's a lot of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's effectively sitting with, with Phil, who's, who's the founder and, um, kind of putting out fires, figuring out what needs to happen to, to make the organization run. Right. Right. Um, I would so imagine that, I would imagine it is a lot of problem solving, right? Like uh, <laughs> I, uh, just knowing what I know about uh, study abroad and universities, right? That that uh, I would imagine that that uh, your problem solving skills. And I remember from from being in class, I remember you as in in groups being one of those that that would be a leader along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, so yeah, you know when I ask you about like what's your what's your what's your average day like? I bet <laughs> I mean most people in our industry don't really have an average day, um, but I imagine yours in particular uh, would be very difficult to answer that question. Is that right? It is, yeah. And I and I kind of alluded to this with the internship that yeah. I did at, at a Tascadero High School, but um, there's you know our our team is remote, and so I I kind of self manage. Um, and so I kind of have to figure out every day what, what is the most important thing to do today? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I find myself often drifting into, you know, the things that are on fire, which are sometimes the things that are, they're important, but they might not be the most essential. Um, and so I think there's a grid of, uh, kind of identifying what's important and what's urgent and, and how do you, uh, spend your time on the things that are really important, but they might not be urgent. And so it takes a lot of discipline, I think, to, to let something sit on fire for four hours. That's going to be okay. I'll, I'll get to it in the afternoon and, and give some attention to the things that are really important. So most definitely you're seeing that look on my face. Cause I, <laughs> I have a really bad problem with that, Greg. I think I, I think maybe, maybe when I was wearing that costume for Halloween, maybe I was always wearing a fireman's hat <laughs> uh, because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I gravitate towards the fires and, mm-hmm. um, and don't pay attention to clearing the brush enough and, um, um, in the forest. Uh, but, uh, wow, that's, a uh, that's that's such a deep and, and great thing to 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 reflect on and and appreciate you bringing that up. You might help me out here starting this uh, <laughs> this academic year. Um, yeah. So so let's talk a little bit. You know, I know uh, you told me earlier that you've got a side hustle going on, and uh, so let's talk a little bit about that side <laughs> hustle uh, here in California. You know, I, uh, I always, I joke with my friends back East that they're like, what you got going on? I'm like, well, you know, here in California, we got to have a side hustle to, to make everything work. Right. So, uh, <laughs> this I, got, is true. I got this or I got that, you know? Um, so tell us about what you're doing on the side. Yeah. Um, so last summer a friend called and was like, Hey, I, I was, I was trying to get a, a water slide an inflatable water slide for my daughter's party. And it was just a terrible experience. Nobody would pick up their phones. The guy who finally showed up was, was kind of grungy. Uh, I, I think we could, I think we could do this and like, do what? He's like, I think we could get our own and, and, and rent it out. So I said, okay, let's do it. And, and two days later he had one in his shopping cart and, uh, we, we threw up a, a Facebook post and we got a booking within an hour. Um, no way. so that was, that was within really an fun. Hour? Within an hour, we got a booking. That's um, awesome. We didn't even have the the rental, the inflatable with us yet. So fast forward to now, we're, we're kind of 15 months down the road and we've bought uh, five bounce houses, three inflatable water slides. Um, 
And then we just got an all white luxury uh, bounce house. That's good for weddings and formal events, um, which I didn't really know was a thing, but it's a thing um, to, to have an all white bounce house at your wedding. So an adult one, huh? An adult one. Yeah. And they can put a, a fancy balloon arch on it and uh, it kind of is like a splash of color. So oh my yeah. Goodness. So it's, it's been a blast. Um, we've, I think we've done like 300 events over the last 15 months. Uh, this is a friend from mind body who I, who I'd met. And, um, it's, I think for both of us, it's really just been kind of this, this fun experiment in business, yeah. um, yeah. really getting to have something that's kind of small and, and you can kind of tweak and play with and, um, yeah. And, and see, see how it all works. So yeah, we've, we've learned a lot and, uh, got a couple employees that do with most of the deliveries, but every now and then it's Saturday morning and we're, we yeah. got to go out and do some deliveries ourselves. So right, it's good. Right. It's really good. But it's great though, because you don't have to stand there for like, uh, eight hours and, uh, and manage it. Right. <laughs> you can m- mostly just leave them. Right. Once you get them set up. Yep. Yeah. We'll, we'll do maybe 10 events on a, on a weekend and we'll, do some deliveries, drop them off at birthday parties and, and then take off. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. I love that entrepreneurial spirit. And I love, I love the fact that he said, uh, an hour later in, we had it in our shopping cart and an hour later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I'm picturing you at Costco going, Oh yeah. Hey, we just got a post. Let's go take this thing over. (laughs) I know. No, I mean, not a, not a physical shopping cart. It was a, it was an online purchase. And what was, what was challenging was that, you know, the booking was for a, a week and a half later and we thought it, the delivery was going to show up, but it wasn't. So it was the week before and we got an event on Saturday and this one was delayed. So we called a company in LA and, and they were able to do a two day shipping. So that's how we went from one, one unit to two, nice. uh, pretty, pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Yeah. Yep. Right, 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 right. I love it. I love it. Well, Greg, I, I just want to thank you so much for, for taking the time today. Um, it's so great to see you and, um, I appreciate you, um, um being patient with me. We, we had a few technical difficulties there <laughs> at the beginning and, um, uh, no, no one will, will know about that obviously, except I just told them, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and, um, and just, uh, it's so great to see your smiling face. And um, now I know where to go when I need a bounce house, you know? I'm your guy. I'm I'll your be guy. sure to tell people for sure. <laughs> and if I want to uh, study abroad as well. So uh, thanks so much. <laughs>